you're listening to Growing Matters, the podcast dedicated to providing you with all the information and research you need to improve your farm and business. Well, hi everyone and welcome to Growing Matters. Now, if you're listening to our show for the very first time, our last episode was an overview of cover cropping with Dr. Kelvin Montague. Dr. Kelvin is a research scientist with applied horticultural research and has been funded by Horde Innovation to study soil wealth and integrated crop protection. Now, we've asked him back on the show today to talk a little bit more in depth about his special project. Dr. Kelvin, thanks again for joining us on the show. Now, in our last episode, we talked generally about what cover cropping is, but I thought you could tell us a little bit more about what you actually study. The research project that we're running looks at how cover crops might be brought into the modern vegetable production system. We've got a series of activities that look at how you manage it, so the agronomy of cover crops, and then how you actually try and maximise the benefits of cover crops to vegetable production soils through improving soil structure, managing soil biology specifically, and then looking at how you might through using biofumigation, control some or manage some soilborne diseases, and also in partnership with another Hort Innovation project run by University of New England, um, looking at how cover crops might be used to, to help control weeds. So how does your research help growers? What we're trying to do is look at how we might use them more effectively to deliver those benefits that we've talked about. So there's things like looking at how you might manage it, and particularly how you might terminate the cover crops, you know, what's the optimal stage to terminate a cover crop so that it delivers the benefit but it's quite easy to go back into that cash crop. So we're looking at things like early termination through things like herbicides but also roller crimping. We're also looking at how drip tillage might be used in conjunction with cover crop. And looking at things like, say, if you're in a hot part of the country that has a really hot summer, thinking maybe Mildura and somewhere out that way where some of the veggie growers are that I know grow cover crops, but what we're looking at with them is saying, right, well, rather than trying to grow the cover crop for the whole summer, let's grow it and terminate it so you're basically leaving a brown mulch on the soil surface. We've done that sort of thing out at Cowra, and we're seeing that the summer rainfalls are a lot more effective in getting into the soil, and you're not losing the water because you've got that mulch on it. So there's those sorts of agronomic things you can do to help improve the way you manage your cover crop and to get more benefits out of it. Now, Dr Kelvin, has your research discovered any new approaches to cover cropping? Look, we're seeing some exciting new results coming out around a couple of key areas. One is around the biofumigation and the other area is around soil biology. So if we just start with a little bit about the biofumigation, John Duff up in Queensland there has been doing some excellent work looking at at when you can grow um, the different biofumigants and how effective they are in reducing the soilborne disease pressure. So things like sclerotinia, rhizoctonia, you know, those sorts of really difficult to control soilborne diseases, then there are some options by using some of the biofumigants to actually just reduce the, the levels in the soil. You're not going to eliminate them, so it's part of an overall strategy. And so there's some things around, for example, we're finding that growing the biofumigants in summer is actually more effective than growing them in winter. Even though the crop 
or a cover crop doesn't actually grow as well and you don't produce as much biomass, it seems to be more effective than it growing in winter. So, so that's really useful information for the grower so that they can target their plantings. It's also handy in Gatton where that's when you'd grow your cover crop anyway. So they are really useful bits of information and also about which cover crop you might use to target different diseases. So that's one aspect. The other one is around the soil biology. So soil biology is one of the sort of new frontiers in soils. We really still try and understand what is happening in the soil and things like growers will know there's some good beneficial fungus like mycorrhizal fungi for example well trying to understand how we might improve the amount of beneficial fungi in the soil is something we're trying to do by using cover crop and also just trying to understand what impact the different cover crop are having on soil biology and whether we can shift the way the soil biology is behaving in the soil to improve the growing conditions by changing the, the cover crop we grow. But other sort of the new science that we're bringing into into cover crop. So we're trying to sort of drag cover crops from something that our grandfathers used into the 21st century using some of these new science tools that we've got. That's great. And what have been the initial effects of these approaches on the soil? By trying to really match up cover crops with cash crops, that's one of the key things we're trying to look at is in that sequencing of your cover crop before your cash crop, what should you plant? Is there a better cover crop to plant, say, if you're growing carrot versus leek? And so getting that sequence right is what we're really trying to look at with both biofumigant and trying to suppress diseases, soil-borne diseases, and also around that soil biology. For example, we're trying to look at whether cover crops can be used to boost your beneficial fungi like the mycorrhizal so that when you grow a crop that's dependent on mycorrhizal and responds like a leek crop or a carrot crop you'll see benefit but it's that sequencing that we're really trying to work out and it's also looking at what cover crops you should grow and what you should avoid also if you've got soilborne diseases because you do have to remember that cover crops can make soilborne diseases worse and so sometimes it's just important to know what cover crop to avoid so that you don't bulk up and increase the amount of soilborne disease in your soil. So the other sort of things that we're, we're trying to do, get that sequencing right and also what sort of mix of cover crops you might look at. And for example, if you're a regular user of cover crop, you might be using, say, rye corn every winter. It's a bit like feeding the soil the same thing every winter. You know you're going to do that during your cropping program because you've got a certain rotation, but maybe you need to be looking at um, changing your cover crops every couple of years so have a bit of a rotation through your cover crops so the soil gets to look at a different cover crop because otherwise the soil gets used to the same thing and it loses some of its effectiveness so that over a five-year period you might change it once or twice and sort of rotate through different cover crops or you might put a mix in occasionally just so that the soil biology has something different to look at and that improves the performance of the soil biology and how it impacts on soil structure and disease and all those sorts of things. The other thing that is happening is the project that we're working with out of University of New England is looking at what impact these cover crops are on, uh, having on weeds and there are some specifics around that which you should go and uh, have a look to see what the work they're doing as well. And that's really useful to have the two projects um, working together and it's something that Horde Innovation has helped us do. It sounds like you're doing some really great work there. Dr. Kelvin, I was also wondering if there are any insights that will help growers restore or maintain their soil. Uh, yeah, there are. In terms of building, improving your soils is a long-term thing. You want to think of it as a system, and cover crops are an important component of that system, but what we often see is once a grower goes down the, the pathway of looking at cover crops, they start thinking about controlled traffic so they're not driving on their soil, they start thinking about composts, 
and they start looking at how you might bring all those together. And, you know, we've worked with growers all over the country that have gone down that route and they've seen dramatic changes in their soil. And we know, like, if you're growing carrots or leeks, we know that the harvest process is going to be really destructive. You're going to thrash the soil. You're going to have big implements driving all over it as you harvest. And so you've got to look at how you get back to a, a good, healthy soil which will grow the crops after that carrot crop or whatever it may be. One of the key things that I'd say to growers is don't plant and forget your cover crop. Make sure you've got a clear plan on when and how you're going to terminate it so that getting back to your cash crop is easy and you get the most benefits out of it. Don't plan and forget. Got it. Now, this sounds like a pretty big project. What continuing research are you going to do? So we're about halfway through the project and the the soil biology stuff, that involves a lot of the uh, the high-tech DNA extractions and things that go, you know, machines that go ping. So so that's really just starting to produce results. And we're trying to take samples from as many different cover crops and growing conditions and soils that we can so we can just build a bit of a picture up on what's happening under cover crops and how it might um, shift the soil biology. And then we've got to try and work out what that actually means uh, for the crop production. But there's obviously that is a longer-term one. You know, we're looking at, at um, short-term trials in terms of looking at how biosimicants can be used to manage soilborne diseases and also how cover crops can be used to manage weeds with the University of New England. Ah, good stuff. Now, just wrapping things up, are there two or three takeaways that you can share with us, uh, you know, takeaway messages from your research? Look, the first thing is is that we've got a we've got quite an active delivery component to the project as well. So try and get involved with that. We run cover crop coaching clinic around the country, so have a look at coming along to one of those. That's where we can spend a bit of time to go into detail and make a plan that's tailored to your soils and your production system and your machinery, whatever you've got in the shed. So they're really useful in terms of trying to bring this stuff together. But really, the key message is if you're not already cover cropping, think about how you might incorporate cover cropping in your production system. Fellows can be good for controlling weeds and soilborne diseases, etc., and conserving moisture, but they come at a cost, and that cost is your soil health. You're basically not feeding the soil, and the, the soil bugs are still ticking over. So actually, the biggest change you'll see is going from a brown fallow to a green cover crop. And if you can build that into your system, that's really great. If you're already cover cropping, then trying to look at the differing management practices so that you can optimise those benefits. And that'll be the first question or the first issue will be what are your main your main aims with your cover crop and be really clear about them and make sure you manage to deliver those main aims. And it's an exciting time. There's, there's a lot of stuff happening in cover crop. I keep an, an eye at it out on what's happening around the globe and there's a lot of work going on and through Europe, North America... Uh, in terms of looking to see how we manage and better utilise cover crops. So there's specific machinery that's starting to be developed now for cover crops. There's actual genetic selection of cover crops to specifically target things, and obviously we've done that for biofumigant, but there's obviously things to improve soil structure like tillage radish and root max and ryegrass. There's also the whole targeting of cover crops for strategic pest and disease control, I guess that's what we're doing with biofumigants, but there's other benefits that we're looking at trying to optimise. And then also there's this sort of pressure, if you like, from the, the markets for, for veggie production to be more sustainable. And one of the key steps in that is to incorporate some cover crops in your rotations and then really to talk about that with your suppliers so that they're aware of what you're doing. Well, Dr. Kelvin, thank you once again for spending some time with us on Growing Matters. 
and sharing some of your expertise and insights. It's been great having you on today's show. Yeah, thanks. And, uh, you know, to the growers out there, good luck with it. And I'd love to hear from you. And we're always interested to talk to growers and, and hear how they're implementing it because that's where we get a lot of our inspiration from. I hope you've enjoyed this talk with Dr. Kelvin Montague. And to find out more about his research and for information about his coaching clinics, you can visit soilwealth.com.au. And if you've enjoyed this podcast and would like to know when new episodes have been released, then make sure you follow Growing Matters on your favourite podcast app. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Growing Matters. Don't forget to visit us over at horticulture.com.au and join our free membership. Get instant access to the very latest information available to help your farm and business grow.